Good morning. Uh, we are starting a new study in my ladies' Sunday school class. It's in the Hope Room over in the Fellowship Hall, for those of you that may not know where it is. Ladies, if you're a lot tired and a little worn out, the study next Sunday will be for you. And we have a video to show. It starts at 10 o'clock. If you're not plugged into a Sunday school class, ladies, I encourage you to come join us. It's a great study by Lisa Turkhurst. Do you ever struggle with decision making? You know, when someone asks you to do something, do you ever dread saying yes, but feel powerless to say no? Do you ever feel like you've agreed to too much and now your schedule is just crazy? Me too. That's why I wrote this book, The Best Yes. I know firsthand when a woman lives with the stress of an overwhelmed schedule, she'll ache with the sadness of an underwhelmed soul. But if she learns to make better decisions, she'll have a better life. That's why I'm really looking forward to being together as we learn to more effectively use the two most powerful words, yes and no. We'll learn to make better decisions and a better life, a best yes life. But we'll need wisdom. That's why over this six-week Bible study, we're going to unpack how to make wise decisions using wisdom as we set our schedule and as we live our life. In session one, we'll discover the beginning of wisdom. In session two, we'll study a section of scripture focused on a woman that I think you'll really love. She established a pattern of wisdom and how it saved her city. Then the next week, how wisdom must be practiced in our daily life. In session four, we'll learn that in order to protect our best yes decisions, we'll have to learn the power of the small no. Session five, people pleasing. We must not confuse the command to love with the disease to please. Then, in the final session, we'll bring it all together by imagining how a best yes can help you be more confident in your wise decision making. After all, you make your choices, and then your choices make you. Give me six weeks, and I'll help you be more confident in your decisions and discover a best yes life. Sounds like a great study. My rock. 
Betty Wales has our special this morning. God walks the dark hills, the highways, the byways. He walks on the billows of life's troubled sea. He walks in the cold, dark shadows of midnight. God walks the dark hills to guide you and me. God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere by night and by day. He walks inside. the dark hills to show me the way. God walks in the storm, the rain and sunshine. He walks in the shadows of glimmering light he walks up the mountain so high the rivers and valleys god walks everywhere for he loves you and me God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere by night and by day. He walks inside. God walks the dark hills to show me the way. God walks the dark hills to show me the way. all the best uh, 
plans. I was hoping to have the pastor pals come up, and I just completely forgot. And so, so blame that on your pastor. Have them up there get my order straight. I'm, I know everybody's excited about Miss Anita. Just throw, so excited for you following the Lord in baptism. And we're praying for you, and uh, we're just so thrilled. And your family got to uh, see that and witness that. And just a, a step in obedience. And I was going to tell the pastor pals when they came up, and inviting them up. And matter of fact, I'd even lowered the microphones to have them come up and uh, just got, okay, baptism mode. And uh, so you uh, got all that. But anyway, just uh, blame that on your pastor. And I ask your forgiveness for getting the order. I even had the order. Man, I thought I had it going, had it set, Brother Norman. But uh, we know what this order is. And uh, this is where everything points to. This is what the whole service is about, and that is the preached Word of God. And uh, so I'm hoping and praying that you came uh, with your heart prepared. I hope and pray that you are receptive to receive His Word. And there's some principles that we find in these Scriptures, just several of them, here in 1 Corinthians. And we're going to talk about this subject right here. What kind of church member do you want to be and it's not what even that uh, you know we say well what do we need but a lot of times it comes down to we find out what we need whenever we desire to to be what okay god what kind of church member do i need to be what kind of church member do i want to be and uh, the bible gives us some great insight here all right let's all stand for this reading of this one verse one verse, the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it simply says this, <clears throat> For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body also, so also is Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to be here this morning. Father, you've blessed our church so much. Praying for Anita. We're praying for her family. We ask that you would help us to encourage all of our new church members. And, Father, that you would continue to bless our church and that we would be able to serve you in a greater way, not only in our community, but also in the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, there's, uh, we could want to be a church member that, uh, is on fire for the Lord. We could want to be a church member that's, uh, uh, that, that seeks to help and encourage. We could be a church member that wants to, uh, maybe just always look for the critical, always look for the negative, always look, or always the positive, always trying to lift other people up. We could lift other people up. We could tear people other, other people down. And so we have all of this, these things that we're talking about. Matter of fact, uh, right now I'm in the planning stages and uh, with church approval, uh, going to start a new class, and this will be for all the new church members and even open up to anybody that wants to. But basically um, just, uh, just going to call, be called Members Matter, and it's just four sessions. It'll be over with real quick. And... Uh, on Sunday mornings, and I, my prayer is, is that every new church member, as well as every existing church member, could find three things here at Promised Land. 
that you could find a, a place here at Promised Land, a purpose here at Promised Land, and a passion here at Promised Land. And that, that's what we really hope and pray, that you could plug in and find those three things as church members here. And I just want to get to an acronym that I'm using this morning called TEAM. The acronym T-E-A-M. Now, this right here is, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jock. I love sports. Uh, there's a lot of things I love, but I definitely love sports. And so I'm all about teamwork. That's been a part of my upbringing my whole life, and uh, especially in the school. Matter of fact, I got a chance to uh, visit with uh, uh, John Spradlin and his family yesterday. The funeral service for his mom was there and uh, at McNeil, Arkansas, and it's closed down. It's like a lot of our other little schools like Fountain Hill and and uh, the First Baptist Church, McNeil, Arkansas, and he was saying, I, <clears throat> I think John graduated in 79. Anyway, he was on two state championship basketball teams. They were real big in basketball, and, and that's all we had where I grew up in East Texas was basketball. It was a smaller town. And uh, they were a Class B back then in the 70s. McNeil was. And so, but there's a lot of, in any sport, especially when you have a, a team sport, it's all about teamwork. It's all about working together. Now, the very first thing we're going to fly through here, and matter of fact, I told Karen about this. She was guessing what these stood for. But if you have your bulletin, you already see. And that the first one is, I want to be a church member who trusts. The next one is, I want to be a church member who encourages. And there's other things that you could come up with. I want to be a church member who admits, and I've got to do that. That's a step that, for God to use you. And then lastly, I want to be a church member who's ministry-minded. Now, these four things are necessary for our church and you to be a part of our church to succeed in our church. So, <clears throat> just looking at these this morning... And uh, just take off with a couple of things that we need to trust in, and that is we need to trust in the Word of God, and we need to trust in uh, the Lord and each other. We'll get to those th those things in just a second. Uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and head to Psalm 119, and there's two verses that we're going to look at over there. Two verses that we'll look at. And matter of fact, you should either have these memorized or marked in your Bible. You've got to trust the Word of God. I've, in other words, I've got that's got to be it. It's not about my my thinking, my ideas. It's it's about trust. What does God say? And a lot of times we'll come up with an idea and say we've really got to push this forward. But what does the Word of God say about this? Now, these are some principles. I've got to trust His Word. Let's just give you a for instance. His Word says that, His Word says that if you have a problem with anybody, then you need to tell everybody in Ashley County about it before you see them. No. <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? The Bible says that if you have a problem with someone, to go to them. Don't go to anybody else, just go to them. Now I ask you this, do you trust His Word? Do you, you, you see what I mean? It's just a simple step. Trust His Word. Matter of fact, 
if his word is true, there's a, and if you have your Bible open to Psalm 119, there are 176 verses in this chapter. That's a long chapter. And did you know that in every one of these verses, 176, 173 of them mention the Word of God. It mentions them using ten different words. It says laws, precepts, commandments, a word, and so on and so forth. It uses ten different synonyms for the Word of God inside of this one chapter. It's powerful about the Word of God. What does this one say? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And then the, if you slide on down to Psalm 119.105, the Word of God says here, Thy word is also a what? A lamp unto my feet. That's pretty good ways from 11 to, <laughs> to 105. But it says a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we need to trust the Word of God. It lights our way. It gives us direction. It should, so trust it. The next thing we need to trust is, and just, just slide on over further in your Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Many of you know this or have it marked in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. The Word of God simply states here another thing to trust in. So I've got to trust, first of all, in the Lord, or excuse me, in the Word, the Word tells me about the Lord. Now it says in Proverbs 3, 5, this is a great verse. Some people, this is one of their favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. So I'm trusting in the Word. I'm trusting. I'm, I've got to trust. So if you want to be a great church member, if you want to be an awesome church member, I've got to trust the Word of God. I've got to trust the Lord. You say, well, I trust the Lord. I got saved. But a lot of people say, okay, God, thank you. I got it now. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, thank you for saving me. I'm going to heaven when I die. See ya. You know, we tell the Lord, and we don't follow His Word. We don't soak up His Word so we don't trust Him. And then, lastly, on this trust issue, we need to trust each other. All right, so go back to our text. Now, we read, to begin the sermon this morning, we read verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. So now I'm going to head back there, and a lot of the message is going to come out of Paul's rules here about how a church should operate. Now, a lot of these were concerning gifts and gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the principles are still the same. We'll go over some of these. All right, so I've got to trust each other. You ready? Now, he will say, and before I read this verse 14 and 15, <clears throat> let me tell you about what uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is about. 1 Corinthians 12 is about uh, they were coveting gifts. There were gifts given to the first churches, uh, gifts of like uh, prophecy, knowledge, of speaking in tongues, of interpretation of tongues, and of healings, ministries, that sort of things. And these gifts were given when the Word of God was uh, being... It wasn't complete yet. They didn't have the New Testament then. And so the church at Corinth struggled 
with a lot of jealousy. Well, you've got the gift of tongues, but I've got the gift of interpretation. Or you've got the gift of prophecy, or you've got the gift of knowledge. And so they were competing. Now, probably the most vocal was the gift of tongues. And a lot of, and by the way, if you want an easy preacher, um, uh, help with that thing right there every time it says tongues if you want a better understanding of 1st Corinthians 12 13 and 14 all you have to do is change the word tongues to language because that's a synonym just change the word tongues to la- that's exactly what it means that's and so it makes a whole lot of sense language if it's singular language if it's plural languages okay in 1st Corinthians 12 13 and 14 well, the sense, how it makes sense will just jump out at you. Now, the whole when he starts with this illustration of the body, Paul was talking about teamwork. And just basically saying this, so I'll tell you what. I love everybody at church but so-and-so. I can talk to everybody at church but so-and-so. What you're doing, if you have that attitude, you're dividing the team. Matter of fact, you're, you're basically, you're performing an amputation on yourself, and before you know it, you, the body will be over here, and you will be by yourself over here. Maybe a couple fingers, this and that. Because, I mean, this is, you say, well, Brother Michael, you're making that up. No, I'm not. What's this? Just read the Bible. Ready? What does it say? For the body is not one member. In other words, is this church all about you? Or is this church all about Jesus? The body is not about you. The church is not about you. But many. And then it says, If the foot shall say, Because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. In other words, I'm the foot, but I don't like the hand. I don't want to have anything to do with the hand. (laughs) You're performing amputation. You're basically severing yourself off from the body. And so, and so the whole thing is about teamwork. I want to, I, I've got, the Bible says I've got to work with the hand. Don't really care for the hand. The hand's always pointing his fingers. <laughs> the hand's always doing this. The hand's always doing that. I don't care for the hand. Well, you know, you say, well, I'm an elbow. I, I got to work with other people. You know, I'm a, I'm a shoulder. I'm a back. I'm a leg. I'm a nose. I'm an eyeball. Whatever. And so you're working together. The Bible says, that if you start saying, I don't have anything to do with that other part, then you're performing spirit. So we've got to trust each other. And then, going on, I need to not only be a church member who trusts, but a church member who encourages. Uh, still in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there's three verses in chapter 14. Verse 5, verse 12, and verse 26. And in looking at this, let's just fly through these real quick. So if you have your, whether you're looking at your Bible, they're all there in one chapter. This is all about encouragement. Verse 5, verse 12, and verse 26. I would, I'm in verse 5, that you all spake with, what? Tongues? Languages. Okay? But rather that you prophesied, which means, prophesy means to speak forth Language, uh, by the way, tongues just means to speak in a language that you've never been taught in, and you can speak it. 
and you'd speak, but then you'd speak. Say, I just started speaking in Spanish, but y'all don't know Spanish, so you need an interpreter. That's in there. And they would be able to carry forth the Word of God in the New Testament days is a pretty cool mechanism. But he says a better gift is prophecy. For greater is he that... Why is prophecy? Prophecy is like getting up and saying, I'm going to bring a devotion over the book of Hebrews, even though I've never read the book of Hebrews. That's not just foretelling the future. Prophecy was actually speaking something you haven't been taught because it, it, it had a broader umbrella. And so why would God give that gift? Did they have the New Testament? No. So how are you going to teach something you don't even have a manual for? God would give it to you. And it was a pretty cool gift. And he said, you need to speak the gift of prophecy. Why? Because why? He that speaketh. For he that greater is he that prophesy than he that speaketh tongues, except he interpret. In other words, unless somebody's interpreting, you're just getting up there showing off. What'd you say? I don't know. But it sounded cool. Well, that didn't help anybody but you. And so prophecy is about uplifting the church, which if, again, that is, is greater. Why? That the church may receive edifying, and that means encouragement. Verse 12. Even so, for as much as you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. That's verse 12, verse 26. How is it, brethren, when you come together, every one of you, you've got a song, a doctrine, a tongue, or a revelation, hath interpretation. In other words, let all things be done unto edifying. Folks, all of this means that the church was coming together, and that, especially that last verse. So I say, well, preacher, I want to sing, do this, this song. Uh, preacher, I want to teach this class. Preacher, I want to do this right here. You've got a tongue, you've got a this, you've got a that. But no matter what, some people come to church wanting to, for their cause or their agenda. And folks... Whenever you do that, so many of us can get devoted to a cause that we can forget the king. And you've just missed it. I come to church because of the choir. I come to church because of the Sunday school. I come to church because of the... All these things are good, but so many times if we get so devoted to a cause, we forget the king. And that's what it's all about. You see, he says that they were promoting their own agenda. Well, I'm speaking in tongues. I can prophesy. I've got the gift of knowledge. I've got this. I'm better than you. And where's Jesus and all that? You know what I mean? So a church member that encourages is, does this encourage build you up? Is my teaching, is my singing, is my doctrine, or is all the stuff that I'm doing, does it build you up? Let's not forget. And so I've got to be a church member who encourages. So next, I've got to be a church member who admits. Number one, I've got to admit that I can't do it alone. Back to our original text, which you see, if you still have your Bible, just go back to 1212. And it says again, I've got to, I can't do it alone. 12 says right there, we're, we're a bunch of members. I can't do it by myself. And by the way, some, I had a, somebody ask me, well, you know, church people, 
mess up at church. I know the preacher messes up at church. I can't even get my own schedule right, you know. So even the preacher makes mistakes and messes up. I admit it. That's why I need y'all's help. I need your help. I need your encouragement. Because why? I can't do it alone. And nobody can in this church. In churches that want to be on the same team. So many people say, I don't care for the hand. I don't care for the foot. We're not on the same team then. And it's all about team. It's all about teamwork. It's all about trusting, encouraging, admitting what? I need Jesus and I need help. I need your help. And that's what admitting does here. I can't do it alone. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, our text says that. I can't do it alone. And then, just like I just did, I've got to admit what? I've got to admit that I make mistakes. Because if you can't do this, the opposite of this is pride. And pride, I guarantee you, destroy will destroy relationships. What could you put under that word relationships? Marriages, family relationships. People are too prideful to admit I made a mistake. And that destroy. guess what else it destroys? If it destroys homes and marriages and relationships and family members, it'll destroy a church. If you can't admit that I make a mistake. And your pastor will readily admit, I mean, you, you see them. All you gotta do, I mean, if you want to accuse me of something, watch me. In a 24 hour time period, I'll give you a reason to point your finger at me, cause I make mistakes all the time. And you can just sit up on the high line like a hawk and just say, well, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm looking, I'm looking. And wait for your mistake, preacher. I guarantee you, I'll make one. I've got to admit also that I sin. Because if I can admit that I sin, and it says in the Bible, if we can, I know if we confess our sins, we'll get to that in just a second. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Sin, admitting sin leads to brokenness. But brokenness leads to wholeness. And that's the kind of person that God uses. Admitting sin leads to brokenness. Brokenness leads to wholeness. And that's exactly what God, you're on God's team then. And you can do these things. Then, matter of fact, sin, it says this, if it's not in your bulletin, but go ahead and head to 1 John 1, 7. Y'all are doing awesome hanging with me. 1 John 1, 7. This is, this is what we need in our church this morning. We've covered three, just one more to go. I was about getting ready for bed the other night, and all of a sudden I get all these texts, and I, I raised my oldest daughter to love sports too, and she said, she sent a text that said, Seth Curry from the corner for three, send it in overtime. Well, we're about to go into overtime in church this morning, okay? I'm going to hit the three-point basket and send it in overtime. And I, I, I was 10.45 at night. I said, Taylor, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> and uh, but it says here, you got to do this. you got to do verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. Y'all ready? If you're in first John 1, you either look at your Bible or look it up. It don't matter either way. All right, ready? But if we walk in the light, 
In other words, do you want to be in his presence? As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another. I want to be with a hand. I want to be on the team, Brother Michael. I want to be a, a church member that's involved. I want to be a church member that I want to get on the team. Well, you, guess what? The team, the light we have is the Lord's light. Okay? And then we know that the blood, His blood cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If, verse 8. Remember what mother admit what? You gotta admit you, you can't do it alone. You make mistakes and we all sin. Verse 8 says, if you don't do that, you're deceiving yourself. That's what it says, doesn't it? Verse 9 says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And we've just flubbed our nose up at not only the Lord, but His Word. Because that's both right there. Okay, Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Lastly, it, if we want to be a church member, T-E-A-M, that's ministry-minded. Why? Why should I want to be ministry-minded? Why should I care? Okay? And uh, what's happening here at Promised Land? Folks, there's a lot of stuff happening here at Promised Land. And being ministry-minded, why? Because Jesus was. Jesus was ministry-minded. John thirteen thirteen. Here we go. This is the last... Point. Y'all are doing awesome. John thirteen thirteen. Jesus was teaching the disciples about how to be ministry minded. And he says, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. Well, that's great. He had just washed all their feet, and, and he said, uh, <clears throat> Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, that means practice these things, happier you if you do them. Basically this, Jesus set an example for us. What did he do? That if you were to read that whole story right there, what did Jesus do? He said, well, I may be your pastor, but I want to show you the example here. No matter how long you've been saved, you say, well, I've been, I'm, you know, well, the young people need to come on. Don't matter. It don't matter about age. Jesus said, where's the towel at? Where's the robe at? Where's the, bo- the, the basin of water? Let me serve you. How can I go to work? What class can I teach? Where can I help? Do I want to be on the team? Where can I serve? Do I just want to sit on the bench? Or do I want to get in the ball game? How can I go to work? Jesus said, even the coach will grab the broom. Even the coach will mow the field. 
Even the coach. Yeah, you can delegate. That's why it takes teamwork. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And so I hope and pray this morning that you want to be on the team. What kind of church member do you want to be this morning as we prepare for a hymn invitation? Father, as we bow our heads and thank you for this opportunity to talk about what your word says about uh, just trusting and encouraging, admitting all the things that we need so desperately. Of course, we need you. You are our strength. You are our rock. And Father, that you would help us to be ministry-minded, which of course just means servant-minded. It's That's what it's all about, serving others, lifting others up. Father, I thank you for your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen.